Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome to Thread, Season 3, Episode 24. Thread is God's Word, tying together all the pieces of your life as a person in ministry, whether it's informally or as a vocation. In Season 3, we're moving through 2 Corinthians, and today's thread covers Chapter 10, verses 7 through 18, and the topic of learning to discern the difference between people of status, prestige, and people who hold the Lord's spiritual authority. All right, let's start off talking about status. Uh, status impresses most people. That's what it's here for. And it's, it's based on some very human factors in every culture, based on the perception of wealth. And that's a cool thing about like a well-tailored suit or a used BMW or Mercedes. Like even if you get those things and they didn't cost that much because they're, you know, they're secondhand, it's the perception of wealth. I mean, some people look like they're really rich and they've, they've learned, you know, like how to build a basic wardrobe and how to hold themselves. And so it's, they're able to have a status that they might not could really support financially. But they're just, you know, they're careful about it. So perception of wealth. Um, second thing that can bring status is, is when others who have status endorse us or even just like hang out with us. And uh, that's what name dropping is all about. You just sort of mention some people of status that you know and you know, it kind of rubs off on you. So you can get status from others just by getting close to people who already have it. Uh, some status comes from having an extreme um, and recognized talent, like you're just amazingly good at something. You're a, you're a, a recognized singer, or uh, maybe you, you have a. Pers- if you don't have so much talent, you can sometimes instead have a position that has an impressive title. So if you're with a big company or you've got a high uh, a very, very high-sounding position uh, in government or other circles, you can get status that way. And in some status, you achieve the thing that gives you the status. You know, David killed Goliath, and that gave him status. You might be a Heisman Trophy winner, or you might be an Oscar nominee, and you might be... These achievements are so hard to get that if you get one, they give you status. You know, so status... Basically, status is business class, you know. If you can afford it or somehow wrangle it, I had a really cool year about business class. It was like a game that God was playing with me, and I wish the game had kept on going. But I had to travel a whole lot this one year, and uh, I've never spent uh, – we don't spend ministry money, charity money on, um, on business class tickets because they, they're double – and uh, But anyhow, I had this year where, because of different factors from my status with the airline to just people I knew at the check-in counter, I was doing the same route over and over again and how I dressed. And so all of that, and then it just happened one day that they bumped me up. And so I ended up in business class all the way to the States. And when you fly business class, like, between Cincinnati and New York, it's like no big deal. It's same everything. But when you fly business class across the Pacific, man, and this was the days of the old 747, so those things had like lazy boy recliners in business class. It was crazy how much space you got. 
And this kept happening to me. And so for a year, and after a while, I kind of just knew, you know, I knew it was going to happen again. And I, I just had a whole year of flying business class, and I never paid for it. And that was really cool. And then, you know, of course, all things end. So um, that year passed, and I never had that happen to me again, but that was a cool year. So I'm not going to say anything against status, and I don't really think Paul in our passage today, has anything against status either. I think we should all be as excellent as we can be and use whatever gifts God gives us to the very greatest extent and get all the education. And as Wesley's quoted as saying, make all the money you can and save all the money you can and give away all the money that you can. You know, be the most that you can be. And if God gives you earthly success, and I think he'll give most of us a measure of it, then give him the glory and use all those assets because success brings you, you know, assets. And use those in stewardship and enjoy your champagne in that corner office and more important things like an education that can deepen you as a person. And the thing that I think is amazing, the power to move things in life and not just to be moved, you know, to be the boss instead of always getting bossed around. Because if you've got the, the heart to be a good boss, we need more people like that. So, you know, all this freedom, it's a gift. And I am grateful for every ounce of it that I possess. So, you know, three cheers for status. And I hope that you get plenty of it in your life. But earthly status is not spiritual authority. You know, the point that this lesson is going to try to make is that there is a profound difference between a person who has social status and a person who has spiritual authority. Now, you might have both, which complicates things a bit. But in general, none of the elements of human status have anything to do with spiritual authority. You don't have more spiritual authority because you have a better education than other people. You know, and that's but this thing is what's screwed up in Corinth and in China and in America and India and the rest of the world where the church is because somehow, you know, we shouldn't even have to talk about this in Christian circles because any properly Sunday schooled 10-year-old can tell you what is wrong about human pride and about preferring people based on their clothing or degrees or perceived fame or how much money they have or position in society? I mean, even a child can see that that is wrong. But somehow, this lesson never seems to get through to so many people in the church all over the world. And maybe it's defective discipleship. I don't know. Or maybe it's just that the world system is the water we all swim in. And it takes a lot of self-awareness to even realize that this thing is part of our worldview. You know, uh, pop stars becoming Christians. You know, it just makes us all giggly. And actually, it's a good test. It's almost impossible to keep from telling someone if a celebrity comes to your church. I mean, if you're, if you're the church that they go to every week, it's just so hard not to tell somebody about that. And it, it comes out in so many ways. Church leaders openly crave status. Uh, things like titles, you know, reverend, that's already pretty good. 
reverend doctor. You've got to put those two together. And then there's these ones like your eminence, your holiness. I never forget a friend of mine. He got, <laughs> he got invited to speak at our churches. We have this big convention every two years. We all get together. And uh, so they ask him to speak. And so as they're working up to the preaching that night, they're saying, Dr. So-and-so will now come and he'll read the scripture. And, and Dr. So-and-so will now do this. And Dr., 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 they were just all doctoring each other. And so he steps up. And after they introduced him to the preach, this is his opening. He says, we never, he's from Jamaica. We never had so many doctors in the church. And we never been so sick. <laughs> It was great. Um, You know, it's there, though. There's openly craving status from titles. Uh, And then there's all the perks that we do. And It's just too easy. Uh, Throne-like chairs. And nowadays, we've got this godlike media style. You know, your face on a huge screen. And your poor wife, under so much pressure, to look perky and fit. And I really don't think it's anybody's business if you get a facelift or implants or caps on your teeth. I mean, these are personal matters. Uh, But... It's the whole point. All this stuff has nothing to do with spiritual authority. It, it, and if you seek it, and if you drag it into the ministry, you actually pervert your ministry, and you'll never know if you have any spiritual authority because you may be doing a good job with your marketing, which is totally different from the Holy Spirit drawing people to Christ. You know, you may be cleverly using, and there's all these things that the world does And if we just, without any discernment, drag all this into the church, it really poisons and perverts everything. And that's kind of where our passage opens Um, in chapter 10, 2 Corinthians 10. uh, 10, We're going to read from 7 to the end. Let me give you just a real quick recap. Uh, There's a group in this church, and they are not shy to, as the expression goes, blow their own horn. Uh, they're status-seeking. They are position-seeking people. They crave the stage. They love to be on the stage. And they have big personalities. I'm going to say, imagine imagine Donald Trump as your church member. Now, before I say a thing, I'm, I want you to know I'm not against him. I'm just using him as an example because we've never seen a national leader in America who brags and waves his own flag like he does without any embarrassment. So just imagine that the Don comes to your church and he gives some money and he gives money for something and then he decides he'd really like to be on the board and actually he'd like to say a few words on Sunday because he's got something on his heart and he would really love to share it. And, you know, some of you have already been through something like this already. Uh, It's a nightmare for a spiritual leader who walks the path of humility to have to defend their leadership of a group against a person who's got a big personality and who maybe loves attention. And this is what Paul's dealing with in Corinth because he loves this church. He led the core group to Christ. And he and his team planted this church. And they lived among them. And they built you know, these deep bonds. And then he left them to plant other churches. And that's when the problem started. These people rose up and the... The church people, because they're, they never got completely discipled, they look at all this outward show and they see the status and they see the, like the big personalities and the, how entertaining, how funny, how strong, how apparently spiritual they seem to be. And it's just the, the impressiveness of these people 
who uh, you know who give their own introductions about their own greatness and abilities. They're not shy to boast of their own spirituality. They're not shy to tell you just how close to God they are and how powerful God is on them. And and the people are becoming uh, mesmerized, you know, at at these people, which basically they're just people of status. And Paul is turning to them now. Now we're in chapter 10, verse 7. And Paul says, your problem, verse 7, chapter 10, your problem is looking on the outward show of things, just like the surrounding culture does. You are so impressed by these people. Um, and then he goes on in verse 8, and he says, even if I should boast, not that he boasts, Paul's actually very humble. We're going to talk about boasting, though, because Paul uses the word boast 40, I think it's 44 times. So it's a, it's a huge idea for him, and we're going to take that up in our next lesson. But Paul said, even if I should boast, not that I should and not that I want to, but if I should boast about our authority, about the authority which the Lord gave us for your edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. So he's saying, even if I should boast like them, if I boasted about the authority the Lord gave us, not notice what he's what he's not saying. He's not saying if I boast about my education versus theirs, my intellect versus theirs, because that's what they're doing. They're saying they're more qualified. Paul's not really a great apostle, and they're you know uh, he's not a great speaker. He's kind of embarrassing if you have him to speak at your you know in the circle. He doesn't do a great job, and that's why we don't really need him around. And so it's all this status stuff. And Paul says, well. If I was going to boast, I'd be boasting about the authority the Lord gave to us. He doesn't say me. He says us, our team. Not boasting about my education, my intellect, my writing ability, my debating ability, my family status, which he had all that. He said, but if I was going to boast, I'd boast about my authority. And if I did that boasting, I wouldn't be ashamed. And his point is, my statements wouldn't be false. It wouldn't be puffed up. What I would be boasting would be the truth. And now he refers back to these people and he describes them. These same people in verse 7 who they have status, but they don't have spiritual authority. And he says, well, lest I seem to terrify you by my letters. His letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak. And his speech is contemptible because he doesn't follow the high Greek oratorical style. So Paul says, well, let such people consider this, what we are in word by letters when we're absent. Okay, we'll be that way indeed when we are present. For we dare not, verse 12, class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves. All this is not wise. Okay, he's taking us to the core idea here. Spiritual authority is different from status. Spiritual authority is different from human abilities, from the things that our cultures applaud. Spiritual authority and uh, movie star good looks, they don't have anything to do with each other. Power is different. Power is the ability to do something, you know, the strength to do a thing. But authority is about the legitimacy for using your power. And these people are wanting 
power in this church. They want authority in this church, and they're grabbing it, and they want it based on their status, and they're fighting against Paul, again, based on status. And Paul says we ought to be talking about authority, not status, not, not even power, but the legitimacy of who, who is uh, flowing in the Lord's power. And we'll get into this in just a minute. Let me give you an illustration about the difference between mm, power and authority. Okay. It's kind of like we can discipline our own children, but generally, depends on your culture, generally we have no right. Although we have the ability to do it, we don't have the right to discipline the children of other people. Let me give you a deeper example. If I'm watching my grandson and he does something wrong, I have the delegated authority of my own son to address this bad behavior. But although I'm the father of my son, I'm not the father of his son. So I have to get from him the limit of my own authority to use power to control my grandson. You know, can I spank him or not? That's not my decision. That's my son's decision. He has to authorize the extent of my use of power in the life of his son because that's the thing about authority. There's a difference. I'm my I'm the son of I'm the father of my son, but I'm not the father of my grandson. There's four lessons that we need to learn about spiritual authority. And I think they're so key. Let's just jump into them. Number one, spiritual authority is delegated authority. It's authority to use God's power and our own powers in his kingdom. So it's the Lord's kingdom and it's the Lord's power. And spiritual authority is the delegated authority to use God's power in God's kingdom. Second lesson, only God can give this. Because it's his authority. You know, when Jesus came back from the dead, it's really interesting. He didn't say, hey, guys, great news. You all get to go to heaven. He said, great news. All authority has now been given to me. Therefore, go. And he authorized them to go in his name. Authority. Only God can give you authority because it's God's authority. It's the delegated authority of God himself on earth. And third lesson, spiritual authority. When he does delegate authority to you, it always has a purpose and it always has a mission to accomplish. Because authority, if you can ever get your your head around this, authority unlocks things. It releases a flow of things from God into those who come under God's authority. God has an authority in the home, and it's the Father. And the Scripture is very clear about this, and I'm not going to apologize for saying that. And when a father speaks life over his children, there is a power to release things in their... mm, I don't even know where it is. I just know you can see the difference in a child who has been fathered well from a child who has not had, he's either had an absentee dad or he's had a messed up dad, but he's not had a dad who who held a father's authority as a high thing and who understood that I am here to bring God's um, grace and God's covering 
over my entire household, that I've been given this role. I've been given this authority. I didn't fight for it. I'm not wrestling my wife so I can have it. God gave me this authority, and he gave me this authority so that I can achieve God's purpose in the lives of my children, in the life of my wife. And as I act in the authority of the Lord, which is to bless and not to harm, it releases a flow of grace. All kinds of things from God come into those who live under that authority. It's like if you're trying to pour, I don't know if you've ever had anybody on your team, if you're a leader, and every now and then you get people on your team and, and well, I wouldn't, they don't last on our team very long. But if you're not teachable, we just don't know what to do with you because we're here to build big people. And everybody who comes around us in ministry, our entire focus is to use the Lord's authority in our life as spiritual parents to build them up. We want to pack muscle on them. We want to see them. We're not trying to keep them down because we have authority. We're not trying to hold them under our thumb. We want warriors. We want to make as many as possible because one by one, the Lord takes them away from us and he goes and uses them somewhere. But we're the ones who did our very best to build them up and make them strong. That's why we're here. But if someone comes and they, you know, they wrestle against us constantly, uh, don't really want that kind of relationship. Don't really, you know, why do you get to, why don't I get to? It's like, well, this is like wrestling with a teenager. And it's the exact same issue because, you know, a teenager at war with their parents cannot have the blessing of the family. They can't have the joy of what it is to be in a family. They can't even truly enjoy their teenage years. If they're going to rebel against their parents, they're going to bring, you know, it's the only, it's really the only issue that matters is whether you will live in your parents' house under their authority as a teenager. Because you feel your body getting stronger and your mind's getting bigger and you've got your own assets now and you've got friends and you're making some money and you, you, know, you see things differently and you have to decide if you're going to live under authority or if you're going to wrestle and fight against authority. And if that teenager, I know because I did it, and if that teenager decides to submit and live under this authority until they move out and they have their own authority, then all of a sudden everything lines up and the house has peace and the parents can do their job as parents because that's the thing about spiritual authority. It always has a purpose. It always has a mission. It's not just some are kings because they are to be kings. We all have levels of leadership. We're under some, we're over some, and sometimes in the exact same circumstance, we can be under and over at the same time. You know, if there's a I don't know if we're having some, if we're doing something and it's an event or it's something and Sherry's the one in charge of that, she's my boss. I ask her, what do you want me to do? And I don't get in her way and start going, well, I, you know, I think maybe we ought to, she's the boss, she's the boss of it. You follow. And everybody on the team knows that. And that's how, that's how this works. Whoever is, authority is not forever. And authority isn't over the whole world. It's an authority that is delegated for a purpose, for a time. And that, I guess we might as well go to the next point. All authority has scope and limit to it. But the scope of spiritual authority is huge. We have authority to make spiritual war. We have authority to heal the sick. We have authority to enter into spiritual prisons and sometimes literal prisons and release those who are being held prisoner. We have authority to cast out demons. We have authority to call for provision. And in the last 
a few months. I've been calling for a new team. I'm not putting out newsletters. I'm not putting out you know resume searches and say who would like to be on my team. I am going in the spirit world, and I'm just calling to the sky for my new team to come to me because we're rebuilding a whole second generation in Media Light. We're expanding in different nations, and we now need a Thailand team. And I just describe the people that I want, and I just say it out loud, and they are rising up. I've had We've got two new team members in the last month, and these are amazing people, and it's just it's happening. Um, we have authority to do that because we're under delegated authority and we're using that authority. Uh, we have authority to organize and plan for mission, mission that will expand the name of Jesus on the earth and bring people freedom under Christ. We have authority to establish families that are healthy and whole. We have amazing authority, but all of our authority has a scope to it and it all has limit. I'm a spiritual father in some people's lives, and I'm not, I have nothing to do with being a spiritual father in other people's lives. And that is perfectly as it should be. And so Paul is, he's trying to draw a line between uh, verse 12, you know, he's talking about human status seeking. And he mentions four things these guys do. He says, you, de- you declare your own status, you know, you, self, you self-identify your status. Uh, I am, uh, I'm first class. You know, and you just go ahead and, and grab that seat and put that label on your stuff. We declare our own status. Uh, Paul said, secondly, you commend yourself. You, I'd like to give a great commendation today to um, myself. I'd like to say the things that I've done. Third, Paul says, they measure themselves by themselves. You know, it's not about my life under Christ. It's my work versus your work. My church versus your church. How big's your church? How big's my church? How about, you know, just this whole thing going on and on and on. And Paul says, number four, when you compare yourselves among yourselves, all this is very foolish, he says. It's not the walk of a wise person in the Lord. In verse 13, he says, if we're going to boast, if we were going to boast, we wouldn't be boasting beyond measure, but we would keep our boast within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us. A sphere which especially includes you. And it's an important concept for Paul, is that you have a limit to your spiritual authority. And there are things that are within, but hey, if it's within your limit, you're accountable for that. You're not only accountable, you have power. You have spiritual authority. I have spiritual authority in my home, right next to my house. I mean, 30 feet from my door is another house. I have no spiritual authority over those people. But in my house, I have spiritual authority. Over the ministry that we founded, I have spiritual authority. If I come to visit someone else's group and I'm there as a speaker or a consultant, I have no authority in that group. I will offer what I know from the Lord. And there's a certain measure as you live in time and you've served the Lord for enough years there is a kind of authority that sort of clings around you, and people recognize it. Uh, people who have also been in the Lord and are seeking His best and highest, and, and you seek out these people. That's what wisdom is. You know, you're, you're trying to get near people who have been in life a long time and who've been through battles and who've failed and who've succeeded and who paid attention and who can tell you the difference and uh, how they got, you know, from 
failing to succeeding, because that's the whole point, is to do well. So Paul said, if we wanted to boast, we could boast, but we wouldn't be boasting about other people's stuff. We'd both boast within those things that we're accountable for, because we're going to exercise our authority freely, because that's for everyone's good. It's not to hurt anybody. It's our territory. If we don't take charge of our spiritual sphere that God gave us, then who's in charge of it? It's like it's like just yielding the steering wheel of a car while it's going down the road. I mean, if you're the driver, pay attention to the road and drive. Get off your phone, get off everything, and drive the car. You are the authorized person in that seat, and no one else in that car can drive the car. We can all be on the phone. We can't be driving the car. So give us your phone, and you drive. And so you know, when you meet somebody that won't do what they're authorized to do, it's so frustrating because you're waiting for them to drive and they won't. And sure enough, you know, somebody, even for good reasons, uh, is eventually going to jump up from the back seat and grab that wheel. Or even worse, somebody who does not have the right heart is going to start grabbing for the wheel, too. But they can just feel the void. You know, this thing's rocking down the road. And like that, you hear about that woman that she actually sued, I think it was Winnebago and one. She rents a Winnebago. It's got um, cruise control. She turns it on like it's an autopilot, gets up and goes back to make coffee. And of course the thing runs off the road. Thankfully it didn't kill her, but she sued him because she said, well, I thought it had like cruise control on it. Uh, autopilot. Anyhow, do your job. If you've got authority, you're supposed to use it. And Paul reminds him, he says, you're part of our authority. Verse 14, our authorization brought the gospel to you, verse 14. You know Christ because of our use of spiritual authority. We used our authority over Corinth and we persevered in Corinth against spiritual resistance because we knew we were the officially authorized representatives of God to your city to bring this city its first dose of the gospel. So Paul says in verse 15, we don't intrude into the labors of others. We don't involve ourselves in the authorized spheres of other people. We recognize their authority in their territory, and we stay out of it. So, I mean, we have authority to plant ministries if we've been told to do it by God. We have the authority to be spiritual fathers of those ministries. But we don't have authority to intrude into the works of other people. But some people don't get this and because they're about status. And Paul does. He completely understands when he has the authority and when he does not have the authority. So Paul says, I don't even want to go into any city that has churches in it and and have the feeling that I'm planting churches when there's already churches there. You know, maybe those churches could be done better. I don't know. But Paul says, I don't even want to get involved in that kind of work. I want to go to countries and cities and places where there is no gospel anywhere. Verse 16. That's our ambition, Paul says. Our team's ambition is to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. And that's such an important phrase, beyond you. That has always been the call to the church. And yet 90% of all church energy is inside the church. And I bet you 95% of all church money stays right inside the church. And it's just disheartening to run into churches where you know, because I'm in the missions world. So I'll go into a church that will start 
uh, a strong missions push and money starts being raised and people start sacrificing. And I'm just always shocked when I find pastors who find some way to weasel that money and put it back into, they call it local ministry, but it's, it says, man, you're just sucking it up for all kinds of stuff. It could be going beyond you. When we planted our last church, we made a, a commitment that we were going to send 30% of our church's money outside our doors from the very first month. And we were not in a position to plant churches. So we just sent the money to others who were. And we had money for mercy ministry, and we had money for evangelism, we had money for missions, we had money for church planting, and we weren't able to do those things, so we just would give it away. And as we grew up into our own ability to do it, it was still money that had to leave the building. It couldn't be anything that would benefit any of us. I wanted our focus to always be beyond us, beyond us, because if you don't, churches have this huge magnetism that sucks all the energy and all the money right into itself. And we would just, oh, we just put out our own light. So to the ends of the earth, that was in Paul's heart, it's in Jesus' heart, it needs to be in our heart. To the ends of the earth, not in the shadow of other people's groups, not certainly not splitting the churches and the organizations of other people. Paul says we just want, we want to go far away. We want to start new things. And he sent, he's saying to the Corinthians, and we want you to grow up and get on board and join us in this big vision and leave these little weasels behind, you know. Um, what's his name? Winston Churchill. He said, you'll never get to your destination if you keep stopping to throw rocks at every dog that barks at you. So that's what, you know, we don't want to have to do that. And Paul doesn't want to have to do that. It's so frustrating to him that he's even having to go back to this topic. But he's not willing to lose this church because there's good people in this church. And he knows that if these other guys get, if they can wrest power away from him and other spiritual leaders, they're just going to abuse it. And they're going to make a mess of this. And they're going to raise up, you know, like dysfunctional people who they didn't come to the church for that. They came to find Christ, but they obey by and large People who attend church are very submissive to their leaders. So now the question is, is the leader submissive to Christ? You know, is the leader operating on spiritual leadership? Do they have spiritual authority or are they just using all the world's ways to put smoke and lights and, and glory, you know, on themselves and have everybody, ooh, ah, you're so special. And Paul reminds them once again, verse 17, he says, hey, if you're going to glory Glory in the Lord. If you want to brag and boast and put spotlight and smoke and lights on stuff, he said, put it on Jesus, not you. Because, verse 18 is a great conclusion, it's not the one who commends himself who will be approved. It's the one the Lord commends. So in the end, we're all servants of the great king. It's all his territory. And uh, I just think it's a great lesson, and it's a good reminder for all of us to take a look at what we're using and not to try to use the weapons of this world, but to continue to keep our focus on the Lord's work, doing it the Lord's way with the Lord's power. Do that, and God will bless you and use you. That's all for now. If you're enjoying the thread, hey, how about sharing podcasts with your friends? Just use the buttons in the player. And better yet, how about subscribing? Just hit that button, subscribe, and what it means is we'll email you every time a new episode comes out. It's gonna, you're going to be the first to know, and I'll go ahead and give you a sneak preview. We're going to start a new podcast. When the book of 2 Corinthians is finished, 
I'm going to start something different, and I want to share a little bit more with you on that later, but it'll come to you first by email, so please subscribe so I'll be able to get it. Thanks again. God bless, and don't forget, you are the light of the world, so shine on.